So our passage today is from John chapter 20, 19 through 29, preached to us by Kevin Larson, who is the head pastor here. So if you guys would, go ahead and turn your Bibles and read along with me. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. All right, verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, I'm sorry, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place into my si- place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I'm going to go ahead and pray for Kevin before he begins. Dear Lord, um, thank you so much for Easter Sunday and what it means celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and um, forgiveness, something that we can rejoice in. I pray that you would help us to recognize um, what it is that you went through, the cost of forgiveness for us. I pray over Kevin as he leads us, Lord. Um, speaking from your word, and I pray, God, that you would help him to have peace and that you would help our hearts to be ready to respond to the gospel, Father. I pray that you would help us to continue to worship in the listening of your word, Um, and I thank you so much for the weather today, Lord. Um, It's all about you, and you are worth celebrating, Um, and I pray that you would help us to just contemplate your goodness and what you have done for us in our hearts as we listen today. In your son's name I pray, amen. Well, welcome once again to Karis this morning. Happy Easter to everyone. Um, We will jump back into our study through the book of Galatians next week, but here on Easter Sunday... I want us to take a look at this snapshot, this brief snapshot in the book of John. 
It's been a difficult year. You know, it's felt like our worlds have been turned upside down, in many ways torn apart. Perhaps you, like me, have been, found yourself struggling. You've been wrestling with how to work through it all, with how to get back on your feet again. Today I want you to hear with me the words of Jesus repeated three times in what we just heard. Apparently Jesus wanted them and us to hear these words. He says, you probably caught it, peace be with you. Peace be with you. The disciples here, they're working through the death of their Lord and with it all their hopes and dreams that seem dashed. Just days earlier, Jesus had hung on the cross And now they're in a place that's probably quite familiar to us over the past year. They're behind closed doors. They're cowering in fear. Jesus had just been killed and in the cruelest way possible. And they thought, you know, perhaps we're next. So they were going to take no chances with that at all. And that's when Jesus walks in. With the doors locked, you may have noticed, he just appears. The Lord, he's there, standing right in the midst of them, and he's alive, and he says again these words, Peace be with you. And suddenly their fear just evaporates, and it transforms into gladness, verse 20 says. They're filled with that peace about which he speaks. And that's my desire for each of us here today, that we would hear these words right here, right now, on this lawn, in this difficult year, that we would hear those and absorb them ourselves, and that our troubles would be washed away by his perfect peace. Peace be with you. Now, I want you to think with me briefly this morning about what Christ's peace really means, what he offers us. I think it could be summarized in a couple of ways. First, personal renewal and rest personal renewal and rest. His resurrection brings new life, one filled with peace. The Bible explains elsewhere in Ephesians 2 that we are dead in our sins and how our hearts are far from the Lord, but also how the Father graciously makes us alive in Christ. Our souls are awakened by him. There is a spiritual resurrection that happens for those who are in Christ. And we see this renewal beginning to happen, it seems, in the hearts of the disciples here. But there's also a physical resurrection to look forward to. This this renewal we're talking about is total. It was sin, if you know from the story of the Bible, that led to physical death in the first place. And one day that's going to be reversed, as Bobby mentioned 1 Corinthians 15 calls Jesus the first fruits of those resurrected. So one day a great resurrection is coming, and Christ here appears to his disciples in this renewed physical body that is just this sneak preview of that. A body that can be seen and touched. And that's our hope as well. One day, no more weakness, sickness, aging, death. Perfect bodies forever and ever. So Christ stands there before them and before us and says, Peace be with you. Through his resurrection from the dead, he demonstrates that his payment on the cross went through and that our sins are forgiven if we believe. New spiritual life for us has come. We're no longer separated from God if we're in Christ. We have peace with him and we are brought near to our Father again and there in his care 
in our perfect Heavenly Father's care, we find rest. And what's more, we no longer have to fear death anymore. That cruel master can no longer torment us and hold us captive. Coronavirus, cancer, whatever would come, we can have peace knowing that the death of this body will not be the end. So Jesus says to us today, peace be with you. In him, we find personal renewal and rest. So to the desperate mom who cannot stop snapping at her children, many of us have been there, Christ says, peace be with you. To the the discouraged husband who feels like he's watching his marriage fall apart, peace be with you. To the depressed teenager who feels like she has no one or nothing to live for, peace be with you. To the lonely student who throws his body at partner after partner seeking to be loved, peace be with you. To the distressed daughter who lost her father and mother both to COVID this year, peace be with you. To the jobless parent who can't seem to pay the rent or buy groceries no matter how hard he tries, peace be with you. Let me tell you, this last year has been really hard for me and our family. The virus, you know, making us fear for our lives and at times our livelihood. My wife's cancer shaking up our world, driving us to our knees. It's been a great time of darkness, but in that time, the sun has still come up and we have seen glimpses of his great peace. Before his death, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples back in chapter 14 and 27 of John. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Hear me, church. For the troubled, peace has come. In Jesus Christ, if we're believers in him, we can find personal renewal and rest. Now, you might be thinking, though, you want me to experience peace. You know, I look around my life, I look around my city, I look around this world, and all I can see is trouble, and I see no signs of relief coming anytime soon. Well, as we've already seen, the truth of the resurrection goes as deep as our very hearts. But I want to take things wider this morning, and to do that, we need to think more deeply about what this peace really means, along with what his resurrection accomplished. So I've already said Christ's resurrection brings personal renewal and rest. But second, it brings cosmic restoration and justice. Cosmic restoration and justice. His resurrection brings a new life, but it also brings a new world and a world that's filled with peace. Now again, Jesus says these words, peace be with you, three times. And this would have been a standard greeting for the Jews. Often it was also a farewell, and truly it still is today. But he no no doubt repeated it because he wanted them to really grasp what he was trying to communicate. He didn't want them to just not hear him say this, because he was trying to tell them, in him, shalom is coming. Maybe you've heard that word, shalom. Shalom, it's a Hebrew word. Shalom, it's everything that's wrong in the world being made right again. This peace, it goes far deeper, far wider than the way that we throw around the word peace in our days here in America. 
It is this vision of complete wholeness, complete healing. It's the way things were supposed to be back in the garden. That peace, that shalom, is found, it comes from his resurrection. Now, we just talked about a resurrection that's personal, that's physical, but his resurrection is even bigger than that. It's cosmic. It's material also. It's going to encompass the totality of his creation. It's the hope of all God made being made right once again, complete restoration. In the New Testament, in Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul calls Jesus the creator. He says this, speaking of Christ, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So everything we see, everything we don't see, because he's talking about spiritual beings also, Jesus created it all. But Paul goes further. He says Jesus is also the redeemer. So Colossians 1.19, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So what's that saying? One day, Jesus will return, and Christ is going to bring all things back in right relationship with him, just as it was intended. The curse will be lifted. Shalom will be restored We have this hope, church, of a new world of the cosmic restoration of all things. So everything and everyone, some willingly, some not so willingly, everyone, everything will bow before King Jesus. And in his kingdom, there will be perfect justice. All structures, all systems that have tried to stand against his perfect shalom will be flattened. And there will be perfect peace under his reign for his people forever and ever. So again, this is, we're talking about his creation. We're talking about material things, but we're also talking about spiritual things. If you you heard that in that passage, all heavenly beings will bow before his throne. So Jesus says to us today, peace be with you. In him, we find cosmic restoration and justice. So to the frightened teenager who falls asleep to gunshots each night and fears being the next George Floyd, peace be with you. To the victimized woman who sees her abuser out out free in the streets while she feels trapped in her bedroom, peace be with you. To the grieving son who lost his father to the virus and hears his friends mock it as a hoax, peace be with you. To the man with cancer who lacked the means to to catch it at time and now stands too far back in line, peace be with you. To the daughter turned orphan who lost her parents to a drunk driver, peace be with you. To the immigrant struggling to grasp the language and to handle the, the, the angry glares, peace be with you. Let me just tell you, I have so much needed this hope of shalom during this season. I've been like you. I've been watching the news. I've been scrolling through social media. And I've just at times been filled with frustration at best and just sinful anger at worst. Right? It's been hard. Only knowing 
that this justice will one day come, this cosmic restoration, has kept me going and made me not lose hope. And a lot of it's come tragically from people claiming to follow Christ. It's been hard. But Jesus spoke these words to us that we read in John 20, but also back in chapter 16 and in verse 33. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So hear me today, church. For the troubled, peace is coming. In Christ Jesus, if we're a part of his family, we will experience with him cosmic restoration and justice. Okay, so we've, I've said peace has come, peace is coming, but there's even more hope in this passage as we see this man named Thomas. So you may have heard this before. He's known as a doubter. He's been called Doubting Thomas by the people of God over the years. He says here that he's not going to begin to believe his friends that, that Jesus has risen from the dead until he can see it with his own eyes. Right? And he goes beyond that. And he says he's not going to believe it's even real and that they're not just seeing some sort of ghost until he can even touch him for himself. He says in verse 25, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, Jesus, of course, you know, takes up that challenge and comes a second time through that door you know, without turning the knob. And he approaches his friend and he tells Thomas to do exactly what he had demanded, but the disciple doesn't seem to really want to do that now. He just falls before Jesus and cries out, my Lord and my God. He gives perhaps the most striking affirmation of Christ's divinity and lordship that we see in all of scripture. That gives hope to doubters like you and me. I've been there over the year. To those who want to believe that peace is here and is around the corner, but just struggle to believe that most of the time, there's hope. Jesus knows our hearts, just as he did Thomas's here. And he is so compassionate and kind. He gently tells us too, do not disbelieve, but believe. But Christ makes another statement there that sounds at first like a rebuke of Thomas but it may not be that at all. Did you hear that in verse 29? Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Have you thought about this? If you've read this passage, maybe the issue isn't that Thomas is just an especially sinful guy, you know, a doubter of doubters. It's not the Bible that calls him doubting Thomas. He does, after all, miss Christ's first appearance, right? And if the others had missed that first appearance, they probably would have been saying the same thing. They would have had their doubts. Here's something to think about. Maybe the reason these words were recorded here by the Spirit in John weren't so much about Thomas as they were about you and me. Jesus says, "'Have you believed because you have not seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed.'" Who else missed that first appearance in the room and the second? Us here, right? Jesus wants us to hear these words. We are blessed if we walk by faith when sight's not a possibility, at least for now. He's wanting us. He's calling us to respond like Thomas does here when he says, my Lord 
my God. Even if we can't gaze upon his risen body or reach out and touch his wounds. There's hope for doubters here, but also for latecomers. Right? We have a few of those here. Will we fall down and cry out like Thomas? Christ has risen. Peace is found in him. Will we believe? Okay, now, you might be thinking this. You say peace has come, and that peace is coming. New life, new world. But what about right now? So much pain, so much sorrow. Do you just want me to sit here and wait? My answer is yes and no. We're, we're currently in this, this gap, this overlap of the ages, where we experience peace in part, but not in full. Where Christ's kingdom is here, but not completely here. We have to reckon with the fact that until that day comes, things will not ever be as good as they could be in this fallen world. But it doesn't mean that none of his perfect, restored world can't be or won't be experienced here. Recently, a couple of singers that I like, Lee Nash and Ruby Amonfu, collaborated to record this song about racial injustice called Good Trouble. And they sing these words in the song. But there's a love that's still turning over tables and a love making blind eyes see. There's a healing that's waiting in the water that's still making saints out of rebels. My God is still making good trouble. So they sing their sorrow, they air out their frustrations that we've not made more progress, and they remind themselves and they remind us that Jesus cares and is still acting, not just then, but even today. They share their hope that the Prince of Peace is about making good trouble. Think with me about the ministry of Christ with those he loved. He was always to be found around the last, the least, and the lost. The lepers, the promiscuous, the tax collectors, all those who were hating or forgotten or marginalized, he drew near to them and they drew near to him, right? He ate and drank with them to the point that people called Jesus a drunkard. Think also those about who Jesus condemned, the Pharisees, the hypocrites. He hated their empty, vain religiosity, their, their walk that never matched up with their talk. He called out the way they led people astray. He condemned their pride, their self-righteousness, all of that. And yet, remember that time where he goes into the temple, back in John 2. And he sees this place of worship, this place meant to be a place of prayer, And he sees people finding this way to line their pockets, to increase their bottom line. And he grabs a whip. Okay, this is the Prince of Peace, and he starts driving people out. He flips over their tables. He flings all their coins around. It's Jesus. This Jesus, the Prince of Peace, says elsewhere in Matthew 10, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Yeah, he came to bring peace. But in another sense, he came to bring trouble. And he's still bringing that kind of good trouble today by his spirit and yes, through his people. Earlier I said, for the troubled peace is coming. 
But there's something else you have to hear. For the peaceful, trouble is coming. That sounds harsh, coming out. You didn't come to Easter probably to to hear about that. But it, it makes sense. If Christ is coming to bring perfect shalom, if he is going to see to it that this world is turned right side up once again, it means that some will be lifted up, the humble, and others will be pushed down, the proud, the unjust, the greedy, the abusive, the unkind, all those with their legs you know, kicked up, kicked back, experiencing a shallow kind of peace, they'll be judged, and this will bring relief to all those that they have abused. So a lot of times we resist this idea of divine judgment in our day, but let me tell you, that's what privileged people do. Not people that have been hurt and abused and taken advantage of. No. Divine justice is relief. Well, earlier I shared that there's hope for doubters and latecomers, for people like Thomas, for people like us. But for the scoffers, for rebels, there'll be despair. You know, they may experience a type of peace now, but later there will be nothing but trouble as Jesus comes down from the clouds and makes everything right again. The just one will bring justice and there will be no place to hide. The Jewish teachers, the Roman leaders, they conspired to kill Jesus. They nailed him to the cross. They had refused time and time again to fall down and recognize him him as king. And then they began immediately to try to deny and downplay and cover up his resurrection. They would not say with Thomas, with the disciples, my Lord... And my God, they clung to their peaceful, easy life. But trouble soon came, and it will one day finally come. Just hear me, we can't stay where Thomas was. Denying his resurrection, demanding God for proof. It's, it's really just a cover-up for maintaining control of our lives. But even more, it leads to nowhere but despair. He is God. We are not. He deserves our worship. He deserves our service. So I appeal to you, bow with me before the resurrected one, before the one who makes peace, but also trouble. Perfect rest is coming, but also trouble. I want to close this morning with just a couple of brief points of application. We've seen that first Jesus brings personal renewal and rest, And he second brings cosmic restoration and justice. So his peace is here. His peace is coming. We have this hope of a new life and a new world. And this brings hope for doubters and sorrow for scoffers. But what do we do with this? First, listen and believe. Listen and believe. Trust that peace can only be found in him. Peace in your heart. Peace on earth. Worship him with Thomas and millions throughout history and millions throughout the world right now. Turn from things with me that will never give us peace, that will only bring us trouble. Come to Jesus, the resurrected one in faith. Second, go and proclaim. Go and proclaim. Leave this lawn and tell this city and tell this world of this resurrection this resurrection of the body and of all things that we see in Christ, share this good news. But we also go out and we make some of the good trouble that Jesus made. 
It's not easy, right? We have to be careful because the difference between us and Jesus is that he's perfect, he's sinless, and we're not. But when we speak up for the voiceless, when we stand up for the defenseless, when we fight against injustice, we look like our king and we bring a bit of his kingdom in part into the here and now. In verses 21 and 22 of what we read, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he gives his disciples what seems like a foretaste of his spirit. And he sends us, church, proclaiming peace in his power until he comes, risen on the clouds to bring perfect, never-ending shalom. And I just want to say this, too. There's been good reasons, church, why, why we have had to not gather and we'd had to take precautions as a way to love people body and soul but there was a time for the disciples where they had to leave that room and go out and spread the news and things are changing that time is coming and let's just be wrestling together what does it look like for us to come out of this pandemic boldly proclaiming the peace that we have in Christ Jesus doesn't just want peacekeepers In this troubled world, he wants peacemakers. It won't be easy. We'll make friends, but sometimes enemies. But it is his purpose for us. Like our Lord will sometimes comfort the afflicted, but sometimes we'll afflict the comfortable. But let's embrace that calling together. This has been a tough year. But there's hope for tomorrow, but also hope for the future, for a a world with no more pain and sorrow. Let's go out, as the early church was accused of, turning the world upside down, or really turning it right side up, believing in and proclaiming passionately his peace. Let's pray. Father, um, I'm just so grateful that, especially in 2020 and and now in 2021, it's just been so hard um, for us as people and just for us as a nation, as a, in, in the world, Lord. Um, it's so encouraging to just have these truths that shalom is coming. That things are not just going to always go this way or get worse and worse. Um, that you're going to return and make things new. Lord, I pray that that would be our hope. But uh, it would also just be what drives us, what moves us as we walk around in this world, as we do the jobs that you've called us to, wherever it would be. Um, As we build relationships in the gym or the coffee shop, wherever it would be, Lord, that we would be um, people who, in your power, um, spread this news of peace, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.